Kevin, what is four plus four? Six. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> yep. Six. We got Ben today. Ben, how you doing? I am doing very well. Welcome to the Thank pod, you. Kevin. It's good, good to have you back. How ben. you doing? I'm well. Yeah. yeah. I wasn't on the death loop long jump though. No, that <laughs> there's a death loop long jump coming down the pipe. Uh, I will Oren, listen to it though. So. Yes. Yeah, you should listen to it. Uh, Oren can't be here today due to uh, some some family stuff that he's got going on, but he should be back soon. And uh, he did record a death loop podcast with us, as Kevin has alluded to. We got a lot to talk about today, guys. It's a lot of news. Ben, are you ready for this? You, you look at this; these show notes. They are Tolstoy in, if that's <laughs> if that's a word. Russian novel esque. Yeah. These are very thick notes. Yeah, chunky, girthy. Uh, all right, enough of that. Uh, did you watch this Resident Evil trailer, Ben? Like literally twenty seconds ago. I did almost literally twenty seconds ago. Yeah, it was uh, it was definitely a trailer. Yeah. Give us your impressions, Ben. What do you think? Yeah. Um, by so without having done any prior reading about this movie, it looks like it's the first and second game. Mm. Because I noticed a truck flipping over, and that is very mm -hmm. reminiscent of the second game. Uh, then of course they have the entrance into the foyer of the mansion from the first game. Mm -hmm. Um, looks the the foyer looks great, except the chandelier is wrong. So I'm just gonna say that. Um, the chandelier is wrong. It's way too <laughs> small. The foyer is too mm -hmm. small for frankly. Um, and I see a lot of Claire. I don't know if I saw Jill, but Claire was identified by name. So there's a lot of her. So I'm assuming she's going to be the main character. It looked I, like it. Maybe. Yeah. I, yeah, I don't know why. Like I'm, Claire, Claire's never really been that important in the Resident Evil world to me, but that's just me. Um, it looks like Chris. star of RE2. I mean, of course, but... Of Leon. That's kind of it. She was in Resident Evil Revelations 2 and Code Veronica. I don't know. I She's not... I'm just a little surprised they're so going for So what was your impression, though? What was your overall on the trailer? What did you think of it? I think it looked a little... I, I don't really know what it is. Like, it's... There's a... None of the scenes they showed made any sense. Like, they, they were just kind of flashing through scenes that really didn't bounce off of one another. So... It kind of left me with a, I don't know what I'm going to get out of this, as opposed to like most movie trailers, which kind of say, oh, this is where the characters start, and this is kind of where you can expect them to end up. And in this this trailer was kind of just like a clusterfuck of like, oh, here's a bunch of sh stuff. Like, look at it. It's really cool. Explosions and zombies. I feel like some of the scenes near the end of the trailer could have been actually earlier in the trailer, such as them walking into the foyer and the zombie in the lab coat. Mm. That, that would have been more effective because that was near the end of the trailer and by then I was kind of already I, I, I don't know I, I feel like that would have been more effective to catching my interest early on um, I, I really don't know much about the movie besides that the, the special effects look good from what I've seen did, in the trailer just did you like it or was it like did you think it was bad what did you think do you want to watch it this seems movie? like it's it's divisive 
I would yeah. say I'm I'm a little divisive on it because honestly I I've been hurt too many times by the previous movies, and oh, so I'm yeah. kind of I'm kind of inclined to think that this is going to be the same thing, especially because that trailer was all over the fucking place. Mm. Oh yeah. Um, but what, what it, are you it, it, curious? Sorry. So yeah. it it definitely had a lot of callbacks to the games, mm-hmm. which is interesting and not what the other movies really had. The other movies felt like they were like reimaginings of the basic story and they didn't really have anything to do with the games other than like some named characters showing up here and there like they were so different this has like multiple like shot for shot recreations of moments from the first two games as ben says but the overall quality and tone of it seems hokey as hell. Like, it looks like a really goofy horror film, yeah. which could be great. Like, this could be a masterpiece of schlock or just a bad movie. I, it's, so I'm going to say it goes I wish one way Oren was here so we could have him because he's also he's a huge Resident Evil fan as well. But um, mm. So, Oren, we'll have to ask you next time, see what you say about this. But I felt like the tone was, like, perfect for the original games. Like, it has this, like, cheesiness <laughs> to it. That was like perfect. It felt like very self-aware of its of its like cheesiness, um, and they used "What's Up," which is like perfect '90s like music. For I just felt like they knew what they were doing, and they were going right. Like they were doing it. You know what I mean? You know how like like in 2016, doing 2016, like the like it's like it felt like they it was cheesy, but they knew exactly what they were doing. Like it was intentionally. Per- I feel like this movie was that. I feel like they're just the right direction. That's my take. I actually want to see it. I watched it and I was like, oh my god, I want to see this movie now. This is this is what I would hope Resident Evil would be. Not like a serious like the Netflix um, series. It's like a kind of like a serious like kind of war thing. Like it has all these military Black Hawk Down scenes. And it was like, what the fuck? It was Resident Evil Six, hmm. and then. I don't know. I felt like 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 a bunch of people going into the mansion, and it's like a little hokey B movie, but like you know, it does, it plays it straight mostly is like what mm-hmm. I would expect. So it felt right to me. Yeah. I also liked how it had the flashbacks of like itch, itchy, tasty, the truck falling over, um, the weird Wesker looking guy from Black Hawk Down. <laughs> Not from Black Hawk Down. He's from uh, Band of Brothers. <laughs> yeah, I just felt like it was right. I, I liked it, hmm. but I could see why I- someone wouldn't like it. I agree on the hokiness. Like, I think that they kind of nailed it. And again, the what's going on song, like very meme-y, uh, I think will attract a lot of people because <laughs> yeah, it's a very, it's, it's a very true. fond song. Um, the, the, the problem with the original movies, like Aaron said, especially was that they were their own thing. And they're like, they, they took Sorry. the core of Resident <laughs> Evil and just made it into this weird tapestry of mess that really made no sense. By after, after you watch the second movie, you're like, where are they even going with this? And then they just went completely off the rails even more. It felt uh, like a th- bad summer action movie painted with like light Resident Evil and trappings. very early two thousands. I mean, the only yes. good thing about those movies was Mila Jovich, which you know you can't really go wrong with her. But that's about it. That's about and it. this yeah. this movie, I don't really recognize anyone, which isn't a bad thing. Uh, I actually I kind of prefer that. It's nice to see fresh faces. Um, the hokiness could be in, in favor for it because the first game is very hokey. The second game is a little more serious, but it still has that hokiness. And what's going on in this town? <laughs> I haven't got a clue. I mean, there's some pretty serious cheesiness in the second game. I, I'm just I'm just wondering, like, how they're going to handle it because they're having both games, so they're going to be happening at the same time. So we're going to have a lot of like Game of Thrones flashbacking, I guess. Mm. I, the only thing I think that it's missing is like that like slight Japanese yeah. disconnect. That there's yeah. like that those early '90s translation translated games had that I feel like I don't know if that would even work in a movie. Maybe it would be, just be bad. But I feel you like mean it's like the it's only like a 
Japanese perspective on America. Yeah. Yeah. That the other games had uh, that I really liked. It's probably what makes those games amazing. And it doesn't quite have that. It's like more just directly Resident Evil itself. I don't know. It's like I, 5% I, anime, basically, is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. Very true. Hmm. But I like yeah, the I, movie. I like. I, I have a positive outlook on it compared to the old movies. And I, for a long I, time, hated the original movies. Like since I was like young, I've like thought they were so stupid. And blah blah. I have more nuanced take. I think they're actually pretty valuable because they've given Capcom a lot of money they could spend on risky projects. So like actually, they're pretty good. Even though I don't like the movies themselves, they've they've they've, they've been valuable. So yeah, yeah. I I I think I'm divisive on the trailer, but I I'll probably end up watching it. I think I think I kind of agree with Kevin in that sense where. I want it to be good and it looks hokey and I kind of I do kind of like that so I'm willing to see where they go with it especially since there's so many callbacks to the games I'm mm-hmm. definitely willing to see that if nothing else is for those yeah yeah like I really yeah. hope the trucker is like that guy's a maniac why do you bite me <laughs> like I really hope that that happens in the movie we should stream it and then like play a drinking game where we have to drink every time there's like a a, a direct callback yeah. From the trailer, it looks like there's going to be a lot of it. <laughs> yeah, so we might be shit-faced. Uh, my biggest complaint about this movie is that it's not going to come out in time for Halloween. It comes out in November. Oh, it's like a month a too late. Yeah, true. Like, true. Uh, that that's, might as well be a Christmas movie at that point. Uh, <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, in other news, IDOS Montreal, uh, makers of the recent, somewhat recent, I guess, Deus Ex games, the upcoming Guardians of the Galaxy game and the uh, Tomb Raider Shadow of... is it What is it called? Tomb Raider Shadow Shadow something? of Laura. Yeah. That, Shadow of the yes. Tomb Raider. That's what it's called. Shadow of the Shadow Tomb Raider. Tomb Raider. Yes. Yeah. Games. Yeah. They have adopted a four-day work week, which is like, whoa, because game development is renowned for crunching, working ridiculous hours, many, many days, you know, six, seven-day weeks regularly. So they're going to adopt a four-day, 32-hour work week for all of their salary employees, which is pretty awesome and hopefully becomes a trend, uh, not only in game development, but just across the board. Uh, there's a lot of research right now that shows that like going to a 32-hour work week actually bumps productivity up, particularly for knowledge workers or office worker type jobs, which I is believe what game it. development is. It, it would bump my work up too. I, I hope it happens in my industry as well. Yeah. Cause, yeah so that's yeah. awesome. Congrats, Idos Montreal. Can you guys make uh, another fucking Deus Ex game instead of instead of this Marvel shit, though? Please, <laughs> please. <laughs> uh, That'd be cool. GTA Remastered Trilogy Ooh. is coming out with enhanced, updated gameplay. So I'm assuming it's going to be on the GTA Five or whatever engine they're using. I've heard it's in real. That's the rumor. Oh, okay. So a new engine. Mm-hmm. That's cool. interesting. Um, but this comes with a caveat that I think also a little discussion we should have about this. They're removing the old games from the storefronts. So you will not be able to buy GTA 3, Vice City, or uh, San Andreas on Steam or any digital storefront. Obviously, those games sold like crazy. So there's probably tens of millions of disc copies for Xbox and PlayStation available that you could... Although I don't know... I guess you could play it on Xbox, probably, but I don't know if you could play it on a modern PlayStation hardware. No, but, but why? Like, are, are, yeah, are they but doing? Why? Are they doing? Are they doing like a Lucas Arts thing where they're trying to cover up all the old original copies of the films so they can have the I feel upgraded like versions? I have a theory on this. There's two reasons I think. One is the main reason a lot of publishers do this. Is I don't think they want to compete against their own product. 
I think that's a big True. part of it. You release True. a new product, you want to release it, you don't want to compete with your old stuff, you want to clean slate. That I think is the most, like that's the, probably the most common reason. But I think the other thing is potentially, I know a lot of the music licenses have expired in these old games, and they probably just want to cut them out <laughs> and not have to worry about royalties or anything, and they can just release this with the music that's been licensed, and that's it. It's hmm. my theory. Does that mean that the licensed music from the original games is going to be different than the upgrade? Oh no, no. I I, I need I my so, yeah. I need my self control in Vice City. I need that. I need I, that song. Vice City. I mean, the whole sound. It's one of the best soundtracks in any game. Yeah, I, yeah. yeah. So I hope they don't change anything. I really hope hmm. they don't. That that would be unfortunate. But the I, upgraded character models, like I saw pictures of, of what they're supposed to look like. I think I don't know if it was official or not, but it, they looked really cool. Like I, from what I remember of the original games to like seeing an upgraded version where they're not blocks and yeah. messy, mm. messy textures, like fucking sweet, dude. I, I'm into the, the idea of this. I, I, I think uh, I have the original game on Steam and they all require mm-hmm. extensive modding to make them work in any yeah. reasonable way now. So like I could understand why the mod community would be super pissed and I like and in terms of game preservation, like removing the old store like that sucks. But at the same time, like I probably won't play those versions. So like I'm not hardcore enough into the scene where that bothers me, but I understand people would be pissed about it. Like I'd rather just play yeah. the new version with better controls and new new models and you know, whatever. New well, gameplay. It brings up a question that like what is it that a game should do when they remaster or remake the game? Um I do think that the old those old games have not they controlled poorly. They had some really antiquated uh, features and graphic settings and stuff. And like you were saying, they require a lot of legwork to get working properly on modern hardware. So that that that's uh, like true. But I am also somebody who like really is in favor of game preservation and not this sort of like Lucasfilm like updated like you can't get the old versions anymore bullshit. I want yep, I sure. want to be able to. Uh, you know, experience the games as they were. And GTA 3 was, like, one of the most, like, for, for those of us that were there, like, one of the most shocking game-changing games ever released in terms of what it was like to play it at the time. It felt like such a quantum leap. Hard to think of other yeah. games outside of, like, Doom and maybe Goldeneye. Like, a few other games that had that level of just, like, holy shit, this is, like, something I've never even thought of that was possible before. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. So it's a bummer. Uh that said, I do think, like, I don't see myself ever going back and replaying any of those games. Uh, yeah. At least not in the next 20, 30 years. And I do own them on Steam. And like I said, there's tens of millions of disc copies available. So that's, it's not like it's going to be impossible to get, but it sucks that you can't buy it anymore. So to answer to, to, to your other question about what should a remaster do, I think that's a really good question. Uh, I feel like, in my opinion, is it should run at a higher resolution, a higher frame rate, have modern control schemes, and if you want to change the gameplay in a game like GTA, I think have at it because GTA 3 in particular has some extremely clunky targeting. The aiming is like I remember even back when I played it, like I, I had played Vice City and San Andreas first, mm-hmm. and I had the I had the Xbox version of GTA 3, which is like had better graphics and but it had really bad frame rate issues. I remember, mm-hmm. but I remember trying to play it was just it's very like it's an old game, it's dated. The targeting is funky. Yeah. It's just hard. It's hard to the it has a lot of combat, and the combat's like hard to do. So, like, I'm all for changing the gameplay a bit if it makes it a more pleasurable experience. And GTA 3 yeah. is a pretty cool game, as we as you were talking about. Like, that's, like, one of the landmark, you know, games before GTA 3 and games after GTA 3. It really is. I totally think that's, like, that's the progenitor of all the open-world games, for sure. So. But what do you guys think about the remaster stuff? What do you, what do you, what would you, what do you want from it? When it comes to remasters, like, I think a good example of a good remaster, or, a, I mean, I, I remake or remaster would be the Diablo 2 that's that's happening 
Mm. Like it's the same game in every single way, just with better graphics. Like they're not drastically changing any gameplay. They're not. They're not really changing the game itself. They're just making it look better in the original style. And this is it, it, remasters always bothered me because I remember when I would play old games and mod them. I hated mods that changed the game's look drastically. Like I wanted the game to look better, but not look completely different. Like when when I would play when I still play Marwind, I will download mods for it to increase the graphics. But the ones I always avoid are the ones that make every texture in the game look like marble or some other stupid stone that's not realistic to the game. And I don't really want that in any remaster where they they change the graphics, they change it, and it just looks like a completely different game. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I kind of come from the the PC school of thought where like to some extent a lot of games don't need a remaster because you can just yeah. bump the resolution up you can sh- you, you know you'll get a higher frame rate you can you can tweak a lot of this stuff but like i think for games like GTA 3 and maybe like even Deus Ex which has not been remastered but like games that have substantial control scheme issues i don't mind a remake which i think is a different thing which where they're like basically it's almost like a reboot of the game with the same narrative and as much uh stays as faithful to the game as possible but like preferably i want remasters to just give me the same game that i like i I, it shouldn't feel different to me ultimately it should feel like i don't notice what the changes are it just feels oh this just feels good the frame rate's high the graphics are sharp but like it looks the same uh i've been playing bioshock one and two and we'll talk about this later and I've kind of gone back and forth between the remasters and the originals. And there's fairly substantial changes that they don't feel the same. And uh, apart from some, some other technical issues with the sound being mixed weirdly on the remasters, that like it changes the feel and atmosphere of the game in somewhat substantial ways that makes it like a new game. And it's like, I would have been so much happier with just like, just up-res everything, you know, or like, don't don't change all the textures out, just like, Make it run at a higher resolution. Give us sixteen x sixteen x AF, and uh, you know, consistent frame rate, and I'd be much happier with that. Ninety nine percent of the time, I am cool with the GTA remakes, which is what these are, because these are going to be basically whole new games. Uh, but it's it's a bummer that they're removing the old games from the storefront. Yeah, yeah. And uh, on on the note of sound mixing, that's a that's a good point with remasters, especially. Is like for instance the medieval remake remaster uh i I played i was a huge fan of the original game so i bought that and played it and i i loved it but they changed a lot of the sounds like the Mm. game was pretty much exactly the same with better graphics but they changed they needlessly changed sounds like there were these little pixies that you rescue in the in this cave at one point in the game and the pixies used to say like early 2000s things when you rescue them like they'd go like sweet yeah rad like kind of things like that and they just completely removed that so you rescue the pixies now and they don't say anything. And hmm. that, like, I was actually looking forward to hearing them say it again. So when I got to that point in the game and they didn't say it anymore, I was like, oh, okay. I, I guess that's gone now. Okay. And, and, and I mean, and they've done that a lot. Like, uh, I mean, remastering anything tends to change the sound a lot. Like, if you go back to even decades to, like, old recordings, they remaster hmm. them. They make them stereo. And basically that just means that they mix them differently. And usually hmm. they actually sound awful. Like, remixing or, this the original sound can sound awful all the time yeah that's like you listen to there's like 19 different mixes of the dark side of the moon and apparently like <laughs> yeah. the blue album by weezer has kind of been like tinkered with like over and over 
yep. by Rivers Cuomo. Uh, lots of stuff like that. So yeah, it gets into this thing like, like I'm much, much, much more in, for, in favor of present uh, preservation than I am in terms of like remakes and like just kind of repackaging old IP. It's like that's cool, but like I don't know. Yeah, it's it's like there, there's I think there's an old Greek or Roman parable where it's like if you change every piece of the ship, is it still the same ship? Yeah, the ship of Theseus. Th- that's Theseus, it. That's yeah. it. Yeah, and it, it's kind of the same thing with these things. Like, like we said, like old recordings. Like you, you change a mono recording to a stereo, and all it does is just add echo. So you basically lose the impact of the original recording. As well as with these games, like you take out little details. Sometimes you change little details. You change the way the camera moves. Sometimes you change the way the character moves, and it changes the game. Like the the original Fable uh, was remade, and they actually did a very good job with it. They the one thing they kept in the game which I really liked was that the way the character moved, like your character would kind of, when you like when you were running and you would turn sharply, your character would kind of lean to the side. And I remember that as a kid and I always thought it was really funny, but I also liked it a lot. And then when I played the remake, they still had that. Your character still leaned to the side a little bit as he turned. And I, and I loved that little detail that they kept in. And, mm-hmm. and that to me was important because otherwise that would have changed the game a lot for me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a good rema- uh, remaster is the Quake remaster. Look at that segue. I oh know, my God. right? It's like this guy's <laughs> been podcasting for years. That was good. Uh, um, yeah. Quick, tell us about it. Uh, I, I went and launched it up, and I think if anyone has played Quake Remastered on console, you notice that the aiming dead zones, the aiming acceleration was weird and laggy and funky. It was playable, but it was definitely not right. They fixed it. The I would say it was seems... borderline unplayable Okay, for me. Well, fair enough. Uh, I, I felt like... Uh, it needed to be worked on, no question. It was it needed to be fixed, so they fixed it. Now the aiming feels very snappy and responsive, um, and uh, they fixed a bunch of other things. That really, that was the thing that was needed to be fixed because you know I, I played on Xbox a lot. I'm working on a Nightmare playthrough on Xbox, which people think yeah. I'm a madman for trying that. But I think you're a madman for trying it with the old <laughs> controls. I, the new <laughs> controls are so much better. Like it's shocking how much of an improvement that is. It, it feels genuinely great to play with a controller now which i kind of thought maybe quake was impossible to play for me with a controller but I, I was having a great time so yeah yeah if you if you're playing quake got remastered on console or controller try it now it's way better yeah and, and it's as kevin said like this is an example of like what i want to see out of a remaster a game that like modernizes it but it still feels like you're playing the same game you played back in 1996 you know like you don't feel like you're playing a fundamentally new game you can turn off all of the new features and you can get that like real old school lo-fi true cult black metal experience if you want or you can dial it up a little and get a few modern features and visual flourishes that don't don't radically change the uh, the spirit or intention of the game i think a night dive uh understands games preservation so well because Mm -hmm. not only did they make it so you can turn off all the new features but you can play the game in the n64 incarnation like with the old, Ooh, mm-hmm. the, like the lower poly geo, the maps are a little more simple. The lighting is different. Like all, like the fact that that's there is just so awesome. Like yeah. that's intense. That's really cool. I didn't know that. Yeah. So and they huh. add a CRT filter over it, so it looks. It feels nineties as fuck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I love those CRT filters some games have. I oh, love it's that. Incredible. Me too. I love it too. So it's uh, night dive games or how you do a remaster. I guess that's the maybe maybe the bar that I would set on mm. remasters. Yeah, no, I would agree. And they're they're doing a great job with the System Shock remake, which is remake, is reimagining. And they also, but they at the same time made that 
enhanced edition of System Shock that is just preserves everything that was good about the original game, but just makes it easier to play for modern setups and makes control schemes. <laughs> like basically, that's like that is like the perfect example of how to do a remaster in my book on, on an old game that has a lot of archaic issues. Like they got rid of the archaic issues, but preserved everything about the spirit and intent of the game. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, Death Stranding, one of Kevin's favorite games of the last decade, is having a massive renaissance right now. There's been a lot of articles published about it. People are tweeting about it right and left. People are talking about Death Stranding because it was re-released uh, on PS5 as a director's cut, which hopefully will come our way at some point. But like, people seem to get that game now in a way that they didn't uh, two years ago, three years ago, whenever it came out. So really? what's the difference? Like, what's the difference between... The Us. original we've and changed directors. the game was so far ahead of, of its time that like people weren't ready for it i guess is would you agree kevin yeah i feel like when i played it i had no one to talk with it about because I, I was like no one likes this game and i've like this game is i'm like this is a masterpiece this is like a new genre that i've, I've never played before and like i like no one liked it or played it that much and i was like i feel alone in this game i feel like it, which is funny because the game's like core theme is isolation so it felt like i was experiencing that wholeheartedly but I think it's really cool that they've uh, that this game's having a renaissance. I'm glad that it's getting attention it deserves because it's such a cool game. I I love to play the director's cut. I wish that they'll. I I think that they'll probably release it maybe maybe on PC in a year. I don't know. I'm not gonna buy a PS5 for 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 this unfortunately. You know I love the game. Yeah. Um, but I want to rather just play it on. It sounds game. like it's good stuff, but not essential. Like from yeah. what I gather, it's just like some cool extra stuff. Do we know the differences? Like, are, are they, they significant? They added a racing they... mode. They've added some infiltration missions that you can do. A little more Metal Gear Solid. Um, there's new gadgets. That. There's like a like a Breath of the Wild style glider, I think now, which I can't mm. even imagine how that would change. That that just seems like it seems to me that game breaking. Game breaking. So I'm like, yeah. I don't know how that they even implemented it, but I'm I, those guys know what they're doing, so I'm sure it makes it makes sense. You know, in the context. That of said, I don't think you're missing out if you play the the original version of the game. Yeah, cool. Like, like yeah, it doesn't sound like that's the case. But I still don't, uh, I don't know of anyone who's played that game. I don't think you guys, you guys haven't played it, right? It's on my, my I never two bought play it. list. I have I have curated down, I could read this guys this to you guys, I, and I'm still working on it, so it's not definitive, but I have a, a playlist. My, I've narrowed my, black, my backlog down substantially. I'm looking at Death Stranding, Disco Elysium, Finishing Dishonored 2, uh, playing Outer Wilds, Return to Oberdin, and System Shock 2, or basically, that's my short list of my backlog, and I'm trying not to, you, you know, like at some point your backlog becomes like 30, 40 games long, and you just have to realize that you're not going to play a lot of those games, yeah. if if any of them. So I shorten my down to stuff that I think is is important for me to play and that I really do, do want to play. So yeah, I recommend that. Uh, speaking of games people should play and Isolation, Alien Isolation, turned seven three days ago at least at the time of this recording and uh it's it's a good horror game it's probably one of my favorite horror games uh so you know this halloween season if you're looking for a good scary tense game like alien isolation is tense as fuck uh and you haven't played it like check it out that is a masterful game an amazing game i love that game it's it, you you would think the alien i mean the alien part is not the best part of the game. Like to me, the best part are the androids. Yeah, I like hmm. the droids, I too. Love I loved that game. Great game. I agree. It's got yeah. one of the best menus in any horror game I've ever seen. 
Like yeah. when that music plays, yeah. it's like, oh, okay, I know what I'm in for now. Holy shit! Yeah, yeah. And it, it, very reminiscent of uh, of um, Dead Space. Yeah. Very, very reminiscent of that in, that in the sense where uh, just the isolation, as well as just everything is bad. <laughs> right. It's funny because Dead Space, Alien, Isola- Alien Isolation, and Prey are all like spiritual successors to System Shock Two. So, yeah, like, which makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, they all have that. They're all kind of of a vein, but they're like completely different executions. The thing I love about Alien Isolation is that it's a stealth game that you cannot, you you cannot break stealth. You have to like you have to succeed at stealth. So if you find stealth games too easy, this could be the one for you. However, if that sounds if that sounds stressful, then maybe it's not for you. All right, uh, let's get into the games we've been playing. Kevin and I have spent, uh, we spent a lot of time with the Halo Infinite beta. Kevin spent more, I think. He talked about this the previous episode, but I played it for the last weekend with the big team battle part. Uh, I felt like it's pretty good. Like, like it feels like Halo. It doesn't feel, it didn't feel buggy or broken in any, I didn't notice anything weird. Like, I feel fairly confident that when Halo Infinite's multiplayer comes out, it's going to be, it's going to be good and people will be playing it. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I, I feel the same way. You pretty much said how I feel about it. Uh, it's good. I liked it. Um, I think it'll do well. It's going to be free to play. I think it, I think my prediction is it'll be a big market for it. I think it'll be long-lasting. I think it'll be like people will talk mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. I like The first like 30 minutes that I was playing, I was like, this is a little too Call of Duty. Like It's definitely like 20% Call of there. Duty yeah, there is. and 80% Halo maybe. But... After I played a few rounds, like I was having a lot of fun. The big team battle was cool. The map design was good. It controlled well. I played it only on my Xbox, and uh, you know, like it just seemed it seemed like it was there. Like so, a lot of the I guess the concerns now are about the single player campaign, which I don't even think I want to touch until there's a co op ready for that because they're not launching with co op, and I kind of don't want to play that game alone. Um, Normally, I'm not a huge co op person, but that's one game series where I'm just like, no, I want to play this co op. Yeah. I understand. I probably uh, so, I might play it single player, but I, I also might play it co-op. So yeah, yeah. Uh, the other big beta we've been playing is the Battlefield 2042 beta, which uh, Kevin and I have logged a number of hours in. What do you think, Kevin? Um, I really like it. Uh, it feels to me like I've heard the headliner say, and I pretty much feel agree. Is Battlefield is back? It felt like Battlefield that I've been waiting for. In almost all respects, I played 4.4 hours on Steam and probably maybe two or three hours on Xbox. So, you know, mm-hmm. eight-ish, nine hours. I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I think it's really fun. I like the new features. It felt the maps feel massive. There's only one map, but I liked how it was. If I felt to me like Battlefield 2142. That's really what it reminded me the most of um, in terms of just the way it felt. And it, there was like a lot of like. I don't know. I like the like downtime, like running around the building and like exploring, and, like looking for people. Like I like all that stuff. Like it's that it's not just a small kind of because Battlefield One was could be very meat grindery. Like there's a lot of the combat was nonstop. It felt fitting mm-hmm. for World War One, <laughs> but it felt it was mm-hmm. very like focused. Whereas this game is a little more sandboxy and open, which is really my favorite Battlefield. That's the kind that I can generally play the most. Is it's more open ended. Um, I do think the complaints about the specialists are merited. I saw a mm. picture of someone, and just so you, in case you don't know what that means, the specialists basically they replace the uh, game's generic soldier classes with these like characters. Each person's like a character. Like there's like the, you know, American guy, the Canadian guy, the German lady's a medic. Mm-hmm. They all are like specific people, and it's weird because they look 
the same yeah. like on both teams. So it can be right. confusing for reading your enemy which one's which one's which, but what do you think, Aaron? I think that like I agree with everything you said there. That is actually my biggest beef with the game right now. And it's it's something that I doubt they will change or allow you to, to option, you know, opt out of with some sort of menu feature, but like I, I really hope they do. Because it's I I found it very confusing to know if I was looking at a friend or an enemy sometimes because they all look the same. There's only like five character models, I want to say. And, yeah. um, and and the uniforms look identical. Like it was really, like that was like one major knock against it that I was just like, why did they make this choice? It's like a strange trend to chase. It doesn't make sense for Battlefield. And it looks stupid when you see like, like we're, I guess we're used to playing games where you see like a million of the same avatar running around, but like these are a little more personalized in a way that it just looks more awkward seeing like five like grandmas running around with a little hypo needle. She, she's the medic, like an old German lady, the medic for sixties. Yeah, <laughs> I so, saw someone post a picture of like the I think his name is McKay. He's like the like he looks kind of like the TF2 scout. He's like there's there's two of them and one of them is stabbing the other one, and like another one is like looking away and it's like it's like three clones all like in one and they're all wearing the same outfit the same armor the same everything what they mm. should do is just do team colors like the enemy mm. team looks <laughs> gray or green or tf2 did that and it was very readable you know right they need to so, do something like that because as it is it's, it's very confusing uh the beta has been fun the maps are really big and the larger player count allows for different gameplay than i think was found in in battlefield one battlefield one like you were saying was a lot of like they'd put you into these like kill zones and there'd just be this huge meat grinder battle this one it feels like stealth is much more viable and there's lots of alternate routes you can move around and i didn't notice a lot of choke points where people were like conglomerating and just like killing each other for you know like huge bodies of uh, piles of bodies in bf3 i remember there being a lot of choke Mm. points in those maps Mm -hmm. there being points where you'd all kind of run in everyone would be fighting and be dead um, it's worth mentioning for people who don't know that the battlefield is traditionally 64 player 32 versus 32 this is 128 player 64 versus yeah. 64 so huge game big big mm-hmm. big big fights yeah uh and as kevin mentioned we both tried it on xbox and on pc it it seemed fine on xbox i think uh that's that's not going to be a bad way to play it. it looked all right it ran all right there was definitely some pretty severe visual bugs going on for both of us where the screen was like flickering in and out yes. like like it seemed like all the shadows would disappear for a minute and just create a black mat uh kind of this and, like strobing uh, effect that hurts your eyes and your brain so it is a beta battlefield betas are historically uh trash fires basically there's, there's just just look into it if you don't believe me but um it seemed all right it, it on pc I will say the graphics look strange. There's something like, I feel like there's like a graphical feature that's not turned on. I'm not sure what the deal is. could be an NVIDIA thing, but like I noticed that it just looked a little off. Like I couldn't quite put my finger on it, but something about like the lack of specularity didn't look right. Also performance, I have a 3080. Kevin, you got a 6800 XT. I think we're both getting like 100 frames per second, but like I'm kind of hoping, like like I know somebody with a 2080 Ti who was struggling to get 60 frames per second on medium. So like, Hopefully that some patches and some performance increases and maybe a, a driver update will fix that. But like right now, the PC performance isn't where it ought to be unless you have a really high-end rig, which is challenging to do in this day and age. It did seem to run just fine on Xbox. And there is an FOV slider. 
there is on on the consoles. I also wanted to yeah. mention the uh, car. The, the, the uh, there's a, there's oh, a yeah. Jeep you can drive that holds I think four people. But the second person, it has a minigun that they can use on top, and it has this very Halo Warthog feel to it. And Aaron and I have driven around and killed a lot of people. <laughs> and then, like, we, I think Aaron one time killed, like, I think five people in, like, two seconds. It, yeah, I think, and you had also killed, like, four people. So we, like, literally wiped, yeah. wiped out two squads in, like, ten seconds. It's uh, pretty it, It's pretty fun. <laughs> yeah, I. the game seems fun. I pre-ordered it, which I normally don't do. But uh, mostly just because it gave me early access to the beta. But I'm having I'm having a lot of fun playing it. I think it's going to be fine. I just I don't know. They they need to fix that issue. They need to do something about these these hero classes because they're not working for me, and it's it's very confusing. So one last thing I want to mention on that note is there, there's been um, it's interesting because the hero classes have their own abilities, and then you can pick any kit with them. So you can mm-hmm. kind of have like a little bit of each kit in one build, which is weird. Right. It's like you can play it really almost any way. Which I could see how people wouldn't like, but I kind of also like it because you can really customize. Even in game, you can put your scope on and take it off. Like everything is very like tailored to how you want to play it, your own way, which is different yeah. than Battlefield's ever been. It is worth noting that's part of what's causing confusion because people see the metal, the medic character, or the presumed medic character, and that person doesn't have any medic kit options because they selected like a sniper rifle and some <laughs> a drone and some other bullshit so it's like yeah. uh huh it, it makes things confusing when the classes aren't even doing what they're supposed to but but it is cool that it's very customizable it's got that crisis uh on on the fly gun customization which is nice it's definitely good yeah uh, all right uh ben tell me about this blasphemous game oh yeah um it's a game that I had been wanting to buy for a while. It, ha- it was released in 2019. And the title is very indicative of what the game is. It's mm. a very blasphemous game. Uh, it is a Metroidvania Souls-like. Uh, it's extremely reminiscent of especially Castlevania. Like, especially. Uh, stylistically, aesthetically, this game looks like a Castlevania game. It does. And it, but the combat and the way the mechanics of the game work are very souls-like like they more or less copy dark souls yep it, it it's 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 honestly it's a great game so far i played i think about four hours solid and i like it a lot it's extremely difficult mm. like it's like re- obscenely difficult actually it is really 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 hard but it's satisfying and it's fun i got some of the combat almost reminds me of a what's that game kevin ghouls and goblins Oh yeah, Ghosts and Goblins. Uh, Like it kind of reminds me of that in the sense where like some of the monsters you fight kind of feel a little repetitive in that sense, but it's not a that's not a big deal. But the aesthetics of the game are the main issue, the main like the main draw of it to me, because it has it has very extreme influence by like Roman Catholic, like Orthodox Catholic style and Gothic, Gothic architecture and iconography. It's I mean it's stunning in some cases. Like it's it's beautiful. And it's it's gruesome in that in that sense as well because those have a very gruesome side to them, and the style is influenced a lot. Like I, I want to say it's it almost has like a Spanish feel to it, like a medieval Spain feel to it, like where mm-hmm. it's like everything is very almost. Uh, I what's what what's what's that? Uh, I I don't even know how to, how to say it. It's it's it feels a lot like the Inquis- Inquisition, I guess. Mm. Like it has a very Inquisition feel to it. Hmm. And a lot of scenes in the game, like a lot of places in the game have this 
they remind me of of like Renaissance paintings, of medieval paintings, like yeah. like a uh, Hieronymus Bosch, uh, Giotto, uh, friend Angelico, like beautiful paintings. But like they they took these horrors and these gruesome scenes from the, these paintings of like the Garden of Earthly Delights, the Last Judgment, mm. and put them in this game and it's it's cool like that's kind of something i always thought about dark souls where it has like this extreme gruesomeness to it mm-hmm. but it, in but this game is more literal like they, they literally took these extremely catholic horrors and put them into a game so you, you have enemies walking around with like crosses nailed to them or like carrying like an entire sculpture of an angel or like enemies who are just like these these bloated corpses that look almost like fallout but with an extremely medieval twist to them and it's it's awesome like it's a lot of fun to kill them and it's it it, it kind of if either of you ever played the game dark eden which is which is an old mmo from probably 2005 that had a very gothic vampire style to it and this game kind of reminds me a lot of that because there's a lot of blood there's a lot of just death everywhere and it's it's very mysterious and it makes you want it makes me want to play the game a lot to figure out what these things mean and why they're happening and you you encounter a lot of a lot of enemies a lot of uh npcs in the game the npcs will tell you it's the the quote-unquote miracle which is like the overarching religious experience that happened in the game which was basically this phenomena that happened that changed people It, it caused people to either get blessed or to become cursed and it doesn't really some people are it happens to them for no for no reason at all like some people are cursed and transformed into twisted horrific monsters and they don't know why and so 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 they're trying to find redemption they're trying to find a way to fix it and you you come across these npcs that are like i want to help you because i want to try to fix what's happening to me i don't want to be a horror i want to fix this i want to be a good person and it's it's really it's really interesting it's really it's really damn cool Hmm. And and and, so, and of course you know it's it's a souls like so you have the quote unquote bonfire, mm-hmm. which in this game is called the let's see what's it called it's called the the pre pre dieu, which is basically a an altar that you would pray at. It's, mm. it's, a, it's another Catholic thing. Yeah. And then you have your Estus flasks, of course, which are in this case bile flasks. They're bile I really, flasks. I don't really know how they heal you, but Yummy. I'm assuming I'm assuming that that in some way that 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 hearty meal of bile just kind of gets you going again. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you have your souls, which in this game Sticks are called... Sticks to your insides. It, oh, it really, it, it just coats you completely. Like, it's whole biome. Uh, th- then you have the Tears of Atonement, which are basically your souls. Mm. And then you have, I guess you kind of have, like, a magic point system, which is called, it's called Fervor. And you use that for prayers and special attacks. It, that part of the game kind of reminds me of Hollow Knight, actually. Hmm. And this, because the, the special attacks are, like, they kind of wind down really quickly, but you get that moment of power. And that's very Hollow Knight to me. Yeah, and, yeah, and in another case, there, there's also these things called Children of the Moonlight, which are basically cherubs that are caught in little glass cases, and you have to free them. And again, Hollow Knight, because they're basically like the grubs from Hollow Knight that you'd have to free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if that you get any rewards like you would in Hollow Knight, but I'm really not that far in the game. The game seems to be very long, and you know, there's more similarities. You have rosary bees, which are kind of your power ups. You find these little beads throughout the game you put them in your rosary and it gives you a certain power up or something it's kind of similar to the charms in hollow knight too and prayers in this game are the magic spells so prayers use your mp and it's 
it's it's a hard game. It's it is a really hard game. Like I I, I yeah. you, play, you played it, Kevin. So you you probably know that. Uh, yeah, about an hour and a half in, I think. Is it I, non-linear? Like it is, is it like yeah. full Metroidvania? Yeah. It, yeah, it's it is like, it is non non-linear completely. It's, yeah. It's forgive me for the comparison, but you know how in the beginning of Dark Souls One you can go a couple different directions? It's kind of like that. You can go to a few different levels. So it's, mm-hmm. it's extremely like that. It's extremely like that. Like you have the option you get to like the first town. I forget the name of it, but you get to the first town and you can go like I think four different places. You can go to the wasteland of buried churches. You can go to the where olive trees wither or the mercy mm. dreams. Like all these weird like they have they have very cool names. And I have no idea where the hell I'm supposed to go. I just got a vague idea from the guy, basically like the guy in Dark Souls when you first walk up to him at the graveyard, he's like, You have to ring three bells. And mm-hmm. you're like, What the hell? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what this guy says at the beginning of the game. He's like, you have to go and do the three humiliations. Now go. And that's, you're basically just left to your own devices at that point. Yeah. Completely. That's, that's about right from what I played. That game has really nice um, pixel art. Like very, Oh yeah. Very, I'm looking very at very it this whole time he's been talking. Beautiful. Beautiful. And it's, it's a game that's completely flown under the radar. Like I, you don't really hear anyone talk about it, but it's stunning. It's yeah. funny because stunning the pixel art is the reason I kickstarted that game. The reason I funded oh, yeah. it was because <laughs> I thought the pixel art was so nice. And it's it's a very heavy in the pixels. I really wish that game, speaking, we're talking about the CRT filters, that I could... It, it has a CRT one. filter. Oh, it has one now? It does have one, yes. Oh, it mm. didn't have one back mm. in the day. So that is awesome. I have to go back. They, they added some Bloodstain crossover with that game, yep. and I love Bloodstains like I love Bloodstains. So I gotta, I, gotta, yeah. I gotta go back and play that game. I wonder if it just came out like a little too late in the um, Metroidvania boom. You know, like there was like a big Metroidvania boom between like 2014 and 18, and this game came out in 2019, so it might have just been like Metroidvania fatigue had set in a little bit. It's also hard as hell, and I think that's like Hollow Knight's a hard game. Hollow Knight is very difficult, but that was one of the more popular Metroidvanias for a reason because it was it was skill based, but you it it was it wasn't a hard skill climb. Like you could get good at the game reasonably. Mm -hmm. This game. I am having a lot of trouble. A lot okay. of trouble. It seemed hard in Interesting. Hollow Knight for sure. It's sitting yeah. at 90% on Steam right now with 12,700 uh, reviews. So that's pretty good, actually. Yeah. It seemed like a good uh, game. When I played it, I liked it. Hmm. I had enjoyed it. Check that I out. Yeah. Well, that's cool. Blasphemous. Uh, if, if only Nintendo would get off their ass <laughs> and make a Metroid game. Yeah. I know. It's been, I don't know, Metroid Fusion came out in what, 2004, was it? I don't know. Mm. But, uh, yeah, Metroid Dread, uh, it just came out, I think, yesterday. Uh, yeah. Yesterday being the 8th, if I may remember correctly. But um, it's really cool that they have released a home console 2D Metroid game. I think this is the first time they've released one since Super Metroid, which was, what, 92, 93? Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, wow. So it's been a long time coming. Um and apparently Metroid Dread was actually a concept that they wanted to develop back in like 2006 or something, and they shelved it. So this is basically a game that's been a long time coming, basically, is what I'm trying to tell you. But uh, okay. it's like a Nintendo horror game in a lot of ways. Like, they've really emphasized the horror elements of the game. The, a big, that's, the, one, one of the big features of the game. cool. Yeah, is it has these robots called Emmy, and they're like, the, you can't kill them, defeat them through combat. Um, and some pretty early on in the game you get a you get an invisibility like power up so you have to basically stealth by them and then if they come out if, if, if your stealth runs out or they see you they come up and they immediately kill you they kill you like 
very quickly and you can't defeat them. You can either run away or you can stealth and hide. Um, are, are they scary? Are they scary looking? Like, is that, that the creepy factor? They're about as scary as a Nintendo game will get, <laughs> which is okay. like, okay. you know, they're not like Resident Evil kind of stuff, but they definitely give you that Mr. X or Nemesis kind of feeling of being chased, you know? The, so. the game looks very similar. Like, I'm just looking at some screen caps of it, but like the style of it reminds me of like Little Nightmares kind of style games, like where it's just dark and you have to do a lot of sneaking around things. So the core gameplay is is classic Metroid overall, like you know, mm-hmm. jump platforming, shooting enemies, collecting power ups to find to get to new areas. That stuff's all intact. There's a lot of quality of life changes. You can do free aiming now. Um, I've noticed that because hmm. of you can do free aiming, it seems like all of the enemies are now flying up at like an angle where you have to free aim, which I'm a little sad about. It's not the, the biggest deal, but I kind of liked how you could just press a button and shoot straight and kill them. Yeah, I don't have to like always stop to free aim every single enemy, but it's it's hmm. not a it's not a big deal. The free aiming is very smooth and very clean in the game, so um, I like that a lot. Um, in the beginning of the game, there's a lot of cutscenes that happen. And it was a little hmm. bit off-putting at first. Like, every time you go in a new room, I sort of say, like, yeah, it'd be a cutscene. But this is only the beginning. And the game, once after that, it goes full exploration, full full Metroid. So, like, if you know what Metroid's about, then you, I think anyone would like it. It's cool that, like, uh, they've kind of emphasized, because if you look at the Metroidvania genre, I mean, literally in the title of it, Metroid and Castlevania, they're both games with a horror setting. Metroid is heavily influenced by the original Alien, and Castlevania mm-hmm. is influenced by the Universal Monsters movies from like the 1940s, 50s, whatever, 60s, all that kind of era. So it's really cool that like they've they've gone back to the 2D style and emphasized the horror element with this game. With I've never seen a Metroid that has like an enemy you can't defeat, you have to run away from. This is the first time I've ever seen this, and I played a zillion games in this genre, you know, a zillion of them. So I really like it so far. I haven't I've only played for about maybe two or three hours, but um, okay. I would like. I, I would say like it's an absolute recommend. If you have a Switch and you like Metroidvanias, like absolutely buy the game. It's it's like, you know, it's a it's a big first party Nintendo game that's very high quality. It's like the only one that they put out in yeah. a while, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The graphics look really good. I'm watching the uh, trailer right now. Like it looks like they're yeah. really tapping into that Switch hardware and like because it's 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 a 3D game with a 2D perspective, right? Yeah. Yep. It's, it it's beautiful. Really, it looks really, really nice. Graphics. Um, it's a very high quality game. Like everything about it screams like bet, like like top tier Nintendo kind of game. And, and the, the cover, the cover. I don't know. Maybe it's just me, but the cover is extremely Doom. Is it? Yeah, <laughs> I can see <laughs> the, that. The cover, the cover has a very Doom quality to it. Yeah. Huh. So they've it's, redesigned it's Samus's outfit for this game. Oh um, yeah. It, I really like her new design. Actually, I think it's kind of cooler than the old orange suit. Um, the it's beginning subtle, of the game, it's just new colors, right? A, a lot less '90s. No, it's a different. It's new design too. The armor's different. I mean, it's still Samus looking, but yeah. the beginning of the game um, has this kind of cutscene. Like it's the opening is exactly like Super Metroid. Like she talks about what happened in the game prior, and it oh. plays the original Super Metroid music, but it's like been redone and re rearranged, and it sounds so good. Like just the fact that they had that. Like I, I think what they're really tapping into is like this is the sequel to Super Metroid you've been waiting for for oh wow twenty, 20 years okay I didn't realize that that's what it was it's Metacritic score from the critics is eighty eight well that necessarily matters but the user score is nine point six so. yeah I would say I would give it in the nine range from what I've already played it's just like I said I yeah. don't know how long the game is I only played for like three or four hours but like it seems like a, a very very high quality high quality Metroid. and and you feel like they've evolved the genre and the mechanics in a, in a way that's keeps it fresh interesting and modern without 
sacrificing what made it good. Definitely. Um, it's uh-huh. so it, and the game is co-developed by Mercury Steam um, and Nintendo EPD. So it's basically it's a co co effort. Uh, Mercury Steam, I, I like my brain considered to be the Spanish retro studios that are Western developer, but Nintendo trusts them with their big franchises to do you know high quality stuff. So mm-hmm. pretty cool. That's awesome. That yeah, I'm like there's like still only like three games on the Switch. So it's I like just, I, I haven't like partly what I wanted what you're kind of what you're alluding to I haven't played my switch for a long time because there hasn't yeah. been for me I, I'm kind of over buying the ports to switch it was cool for a while but now I like don't I want the switch for the Nintendo games that's like yeah. what I want it for so there hasn't really been a good Nintendo game for a while um you know no. the Breath of the Wild sequel yeah. on its way but like this has been I, I, I'm now like oh I can switch again I'm so excited to play my switch again and play all these you, you know you have been playing Animal Crossing uh, it's not for me, you know, <laughs> it's not, it's not my jam. I, I, I see why people love it, but it's not, yeah, I, I'm more of a like, you know, Mario, Zelda, yeah, yeah, Metroid, Donkey Kong guy. So, uh, hmm. yeah, it's, 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 it's really awesome though. So far, we're like, I definitely will like report more when I played it more, but I just want to also right. want to emphasize the, uh, the, the, the robot parts are really well done like the way you can the way the way they defeat you like when they when they when they get you that you have all, all you can do is press a parry button you have one you have like a very slim window to press it and then you're dead so like you can't hmm. it's a very Damn. dangerous foe yeah all right they that sounds it it's very cool sounds pretty awesome uh i have been playing a bit of bioshock one and two as i mentioned earlier i've played kind of both the remasters and the old versions because i i have access to all that uh Specifically, I've played a couple hours of Bioshock 1 and a couple hours of uh, Bioshock 2's DLC, Minerva's Den, which Ooh. I heard really good stuff about. Have you played that, Ben? I, I, ha- I played that back when it was new, yeah. What do you, like, I'm, I'm going to come right out and say I'm having a hard time enjoying that. Uh, what do you, what do you, like, sell it to me, if you, or tell me what you think of it, I guess. I, I mean, it's, again, back when it was new, I think it, that was, like, nine years ago now, but yeah, yeah. it's... 11. I, I that was before Bioshock Infinite, so I was still in mm. my. I love the Bioshock franchise zone. Yeah, like yeah, I, yeah. I, I liked Bioshock Two a lot. I, I loved the, they, they retained a lot of Bioshock One, which of course is the best game in my opinion. Mm. But the, Definitely. you know, the villain was a little left a little to be desired. But Minerva's Den was, let's see, um, I, I remember. I, I'm trying not to confuse it with the original game. It. I enjoyed it. Like I remember, I remember the splice. I think they added some new splicers, and I remember them them being kind of creepy, like them being kind of mm-hmm. scary. Like I, I think there was one that would like there's some in like long trench coats that had like white bloated faces, which were kind they of definitely creepy. looked scarier. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Th- there's some good stuff going on there. I don't want to poo poo it. They they added like some kind of scarier than the usual stuff they had in the in the original game itself. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was the how how far are you in it? You're, you said you're a couple hours into it. Couple hours. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't, want, I don't want to spoil anything, so I have to be careful what I say. Uh, I. I liked. I liked a lot of the backstory they added. Mm-hmm. Uh, the. The whole. It's. It. It's computed. It's computed all of your. It really knows what. What you're gonna do. It knows what right. you're gonna do with it. It knows you're here. It knows where you're gonna go. And it. It was a very like. Yeah, it's Santa um, Claus. It, it was. <laughs> I mean, that's that's not a bad comparison. It was a very ominous tone they set because you pick yeah. up these. You pick up the recordings. You have the guy talking to you. And it's very like it. It already knows what you're gonna do. You're, there's no way to beat it. You're you're basically fucked. Mm-hmm. And I, 
I liked it. Like I remember back then I liked it a lot. I, I haven't hmm. played it since. I played it once. Yeah. I played I played Bioshock 2 a few times, but I never played the DLC again. Okay. But I, I liked it a lot. I, I remember I enjoyed it. Well, I've played a few I played maybe two hours of it. Like I, I'm kinda digging it, but like the thing that I think is giving me pause is that the level design is a little bit basic. Uh, yeah. Particularly compared to Bioshock One or even it's, uh, other games in that general it's the bioshock genre. 2 problem the, the bioshock 2's worst part was the level design oh that's good to know but some of the weapons they added are way really cool there's like a a, a bolt launcher that you can yeah. like it's kind of like from fear like the the like gun <laughs> from fear you can nail people against the wall the penetrator yeah. um so like there's some cool weapons and there's some there's some good stuff and there's one thing that bioshock 2 has done that is like so 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 much better than Bioshock One <laughs> is the hacking. The hacking yes, is actually yeah. fun and quick. I don't yeah. mind hacking. It's like the, the, you just do meter, it really quick. The meter, uh-huh. the meter like that. I, I I love that compared to like the, the goddamn tubes, oh, like the, the pipe game, pipe tubes. dream. Like when I first played Bioshock, I found that to be like 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 a pretty big problem with the game. Even though I really loved the original <laughs> Bioshock, you know, two thousand seven. Like I, I I it broke up the flow of the game so much, mm-hmm. and I'm replaying Bioshock one, and I'm finding that it still does. And like you don't technically have to hack things. You can buy it out. You can use auto hacks, or you can just ignore it or blow it up. But like there's so many times where I come around the corner and there's like three sentry guns and i'm like god damn it i need to hack at least one of these or i'm gonna be it's gonna be a pain in my ass and then i just keep doing it and i'm like every time i do it i'm like i want to play this game a little bit less even though like i am enjoying bioshock one it's got it's got the great sense of theatricality and like big bombastic characters and really well written audio logs that give a lot of like uh depth and history to the place even if like the level design sometimes feels a little wonky, like it like Rapture looks from from a still very much like a real place, but when you start navigating it, it doesn't make any fucking sense. It's very in gamey. the way that like yeah, like in the way that other games like like you think of something like Prey, like Prey's levels feel like they are what they're supposed to be, what they purport to be. Like <sighs> Rapture never quite coheres for me in that way, but like the the audio logs and the characters kind of make up for that. Even though I think the level design's decent like it's not terrible but like i just i never really bought that any of those places were real places yeah it's almost sense. more abstract um, it's almost more like old school design is really what it is with Bioshock. yeah, yeah. yeah. it has kind of it that. has like the set dressing of a real place but like the way it's built is a video game level for sure yeah. it's incoherent yeah like which i don't know if that works for it in that particular like I, I am a fan of abstract level design but i feel like in this game it's slightly taking away from it. Like, it's not a huge knock. Like, because again, I, I think that the audio logs, the storytelling, other aspects make up for it and sort of like do the work the level design isn't. But I am enjoying it. But God, I hate the hacking so much in that game. Like, it really <laughs> pisses me off. And I and I keep telling myself, you don't have to hack. You don't have to hack. But then I just hack again and again. And I'm like, oh, it's pissing me off. Yeah. When I played through it again, a couple of, maybe like last year, I think it was, I didn't hack. Yeah, last year. I just bought everything out, used auto hacks, or just didn't. Because I would, yep. I just did not like the pipe dream stuff. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a bummer. It's a drag. Because like, like I see where they're coming from from it. Because pipe dream is fun, but like it's not fun to do it all the time. <laughs> and it becomes more difficult too as you get higher further in the game. And it just it's like mm-hmm. it's just so tedious. Some of the end game places with the pipe dream are rough. Like those things yeah. get hard. Yeah. Yeah, and it takes so long. Like it really, you know, you're sitting there, you've got like all these dudes chasing, and you're like hack real quick, and then you spend like a minute 
hacking and then you're back in it like it completely breaks the flow of the game um it's it's probably like the biggest flaw with that game i guess another thing that's interesting bioshock spoilers uh guys incoming minor spoilers uh what do you think about the morality choice does that held up because for me one i i'm not believing that these are little girls i don't feel like i'm murdering a little girl when i harvest a little sister you know, mm-hmm. like like the the implication yeah. that's supposed to be there, despite Tenenbaum's logs, and you find there's this one time where you find a family that committed suicide after they saw their daughter, which is is a really good piece of uh, environmental storytelling. But like, I do not feel like I'm committing murder. I just feel like I'm playing a game. You know, when I played it as a kid, I was a lot more sympathetic to the little girls because I was just in that more naive mind frame where I bought into it a lot more. As an adult replaying the first game. I could give two cares less. Like I, I mean, you're right. They're basically semi cute monsters that you just kill or don't kill. And honestly, you get more reward to kill them. So why not? I, uh, I didn't have that take. I actually, when I was playing it, I was like, Oh, these are like monsters and I can restore their humanity and make them people again. Like, I felt like that was something I I liked. And I, uh, I, I, I definitely could not have played as a harvesting I, the first time I played it, I harvested everyone. <laughs> as a kid, I was like, because yeah. I was like, I was so obsessed with the idea that you could play a game <laughs> as the villain. Like I thought that was mm-hmm. so novel at the time that I like mm-hmm. was all about that. Same with Oblivion. Like I remember just mass murder. Same with yeah. GTA. All those games, just playing them as villainous because you know you're used to these games like Zelda, Mario, where you're the good guy. So I remember doing that. But this time, I, I couldn't imagine playing it villainous. The, the first time I played the game, I was a lot more sympathetic. At, mm. I mean, when I was a kid, like, and I played Marwin for the first time, and I realized you could kill civilians i was like it it changed me i was like oh my god that person has a name and i can kill them like it, it yeah. and then I, I played bioshock down the road and i was like oh they're, they're little girls i want to try to save them and then mm-hmm. i after i finished the first time i i killed them all like but as an adult i i kind of just became a little more a matter of fact like yeah it, it, it you know if i want to play a good playthrough i'll do it good if i want to play a bad playthrough i'll harvest them like here's what i will simple. say I think the impact of the choice is much less meaningful than they portray it and they build it to be. Yeah. You get like yeah. a diff- a slightly different ending or like a couple scenes <laughs> are slightly the changed. The hands. <laughs> yeah. So it's like <laughs> it's really not a uh it's really I think the payoff there. It seems like the last act of BioShock they kind of rushed in a lot of ways. So Despite hmm. the fact it's really good like leading up to it, but the last act does feel a little limp. Last la- lackluster. Yeah, yeah. I, on the the subject of harvesting the little girls, I should say I am not harvesting the little girls this time, uh, mostly because I did harvest them the first time I played the game. <laughs> but like to contrast it again to prey, or in, or in screaming oh, pray. right now. But yeah. like 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 I did feel like it was very meaningful when you save people's lives in that game because you are constantly engaging with the realities of their existence in a way that you're not with these little girls. Like these little girls are just like dolls that all look the same to me, and like. I, like with a few exceptions, like there isn't a lot of reason to know they don't have a history in the world is basically what I'm saying. Like when it comes to like in prey you have a lot of options to save characters and it's not spelled out. Like it's kind of something you can just choose to do or not. You don't really realize that it would, that, that it might matter. Like it, it doesn't matter in the same way. It's not like this weird choice where you have this like do good or do bad. It's just like a choice you can make or not make. Um, but it feels super meaningful because you you know who these characters are. They have a history, and like you've been inside their apartment, you've read their emails, you know what their drama is. And pray the payoff is so good. 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah. it's awesome. Yeah. yeah. So I, I am enjoying replaying Bioshock 1 and 2. I, I might give Minerva's, Minerva's Den another chance because there were some things I really liked about it, but I was also playing the uh, the original version of that game, not the remaster, on PC, and like there's some technical issues that are kind of driving me nuts. If I had to give my take, if you can only play the games on console... I would say play the remasters, even though they do kind of alter some pretty serious uh, tonal issues. And again, there's that audio mix. I think play them with headphones because the audio mix is so bad that if you don't play with headphones, you're going to miss details. Uh, If you can play Bioshock 1 on PC, you can patch every problem that it has. You can fix the frame rate animations, which are really janky. They animate at 30 frames per second, even when the game's running at 500 frames per second. And you can change the FOV slider with a flawless ultra widescreen mod. So, so you can fix all that stuff. You could play a really good version of it on PC, but if you can only play on console, the remasters are are good enough. Uh, and uh, Bioshock One still holds up pretty well today. Uh, but you know, yeah, yeah, totally. So, quick quick update on Deathloop. We recorded a Deathloop, uh, as we said, spoiler cast, which will be out I think in two weeks. Um, I finished the game. My overall impressions are that I really like this game, but it does have some some flaws. Namely, it's a little too easy, and it doesn't fully like commit to being like a time loop puzzle game. It's much more of a linear narrative game. Even though like you get it, it was it felt like it was being sold as like this sort of like mystery game where you're solving the mysteries. Um, but it's not. So which which is fine. Like it's an enjoyable narrative linear narrative game but that's that is what it is now the game i have been playing a lot of which is made by the same not the same studio but the same company arcane studios prey moon crash is all of the things that Deathloop purports to be uh and and i am really really enjoying this game a lot it is the dlc to prey so we're talking about prey again and um it's it's kind of a roguelike but it takes place uh, as I said last week in a or last episode in a a pre-designed space so it's not randomly uh, generated levels but but it changes so dynamically as you play it that it feels like you're going into a different place every time um, and it does have like a a broader meta narrative that takes you from beginning to end so there is an end point at the game and each time you play you are making progress potentially towards that but unlike Deathloop, it doesn't spell out what the solution is, so you have to really get creative. And it seems like there's going to be multiple potential solutions to the ultimate goal, which is to take five different individuals and escape the moon with them. Um, I don't know. I, I'm really, really, like, really enjoying it. Like, it's very, very hard, and it doesn't have quick saving, so you can't save scum the game at all. And like so, it's it has this extreme tension that that I think is really really good in a game like this. That something like uh, Alien Isolation also has that like keeps you on the edge of your seat and like makes you want to be very careful as you investigate the base. And the way that it changes things makes it so that it's like I haven't got sick of the space yet. Like I, I'm enjoying it. it. It really does a good job of like uh, capitalizing on. The mechanics that Prey introduced while refining them, like the combat feels a lot better. They added like a sort of lightsabery kind of sword that's really fun to use. Um, they added a few things that make the combat just like I would say substantially better. They they tweak some stuff and then and then like 
the kind of problem solving that you did in Prey is there, but it's like always different because of the way that like the levels change in between runs. Hmm. Yeah, um, I, I I like really really like this game, Kevin. I think you tried it. Do you have anything to say about it? I know you didn't. Um, about it, I didn't you? play it that much. I I had the like feeling of like, oh, this is roguelike. This feels tedious. So I'm not going to play it. It didn't seem like it was bad in any way, though. Yeah. Like I think if that's what you want, it's probably a very good execution of that of that stuff. I would I would say if you can stomach it, give it another chance because I, I a lot of the reviews I've been reading about it, people were saying that they had the same sort of initial feeling like, ugh, I don't mm-hmm. want a roguelike. But then they were like, oh, but as soon as I stuck out stuck through it, it like I realized I liked it, like. In the same sense that Deathloop ultimately is like more of a linear game, like Mooncrash also has like a linear arc that you're moving towards. And once you start figuring it out and seeing what you can do with the game, like it, it kind of feels like you could just play Prey forever. It feels like a, like a new Prey game rather than just a DLC. I've already put about 11 hours into it, and I think I've got at least another 10 before I complete it. Um, DLC? Just, 20 hours? DLC. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus. Okay. So like uh, I understand the design idea of like basically if you if you have a game idea that you like and you want to really pad it out, you can turn it into like a run-based kind of thing. I think that's what they do with It City doesn't Space feel 4. padded though. Like that's the thing. Like well, so I think that's just a perspective. That's maybe that's an uncharitable perspective, but I think that's like what I'm trying to say is like I think you can you can really expand a game if you have a game that's gameplay you think is solid enough, you can make it run-based and randomized and then make it build it out you can make it play it's very replayable so that's the streets of rage 4 dlc with the survival mode and and you can keep playing it and it's cool like i i get it like i'm not saying it's it's bad i think i'm just i don't know i, I wasn't sure if like that was what i wanted i guess that's how i felt yeah uh I, I guess the thing i would say is like something that that i think is true about these type of systemic stealth games that that arcane makes is that they tend to get more rewarding as you know the level a little bit more and you know the mechanics like like as your familiar your familiarity with the game grows you become a little more confident and you can actually do more rewarding stuff in the game and i think a lot of people don't experience that like particularly with a game like hitman because they just play it through linearly and then think forget about it like so this game's dlc and deathloop also are like kind of giving you a chance to experience that sort of familiarity and like what that brings to the table uh, but in their design in a way that doesn't feel like you're playing the same thing over and over again. I think that that sentiment is very true in a lot of games too. Like uh, you play something once and you kind of like, that was cool. But like, if you go back and play it a lot, you can really appreciate all the elements of the design. Like this is like such a basic idea, but like, I feel like it's missed so common these days, especially with how we play games, but there's so many, mm-hmm. there's so many games to play. Like, it's like so hard to like really get what a game's doing right. And you just play it once. Yeah. So yeah, you're probably right. Maybe I should play more Moon Crash. Maybe I should give it a try again. I, I'm like, like it's making me feel those like prey feelings that I felt when I was like a few hours in the game and it first clicked again. And, and I'm like, it, but you can't save scum and it's got all this extra tension and it's very difficult and there, you constantly have to do all this different problem solving and it's very like you're not you never know what to expect so it's like so it's really working for me would you say that this was maybe somewhat of the intent of death loop was to kind of capture this what you're describing here i think that the i mean whether they succeeded or not is a different question because uh dinga balcaba who was the game director specifically said hey like people played Dishonored and they would often play it linearly from getting to end. They wouldn't go back and revisit levels. And we know for a fact, both because we play the game and people who really love the games, 
their their best experiences are after they know the levels and they become sort of mastered they've mastered the systems and mechanics of the games and are able to deploy them in strategic and interesting ways so that is yes specifically the direct in- intention of both of these games is to facilitate that kind of higher level gameplay that you only get when you have a little more mastery over the game um and, and i think both games generally succeed at that hmm. yeah so yeah check out prey moon crash if you're interested if you haven't played prey play that that first obviously but uh it's uh, it's very good uh fallen aces demo kevin did you play this i did play it i actually beat the demo i like it i beat it twice so actually last night you beat it twice so I played it very aggressively, but the game actually lets you play it that way. Um, mm-hmm. What I did was I broke into the bar. One of my favorite moments of the game was I broke into the bar, and there's all these goons in there. And I, like, lured them all over to this explosive barrel. I blew it up. <laughs> and then I uh, stuck by them all. <laughs> and, and basically <laughs> there was, like, a billion of them. And it, like, there's, like, 20 dudes that you can, you can sink in. And then I got into a fist fight and had to fight every single one. But I did do that, and I succeeded. But I, basically what I'm trying to say is I think the game lets you play stealth or, or combat-y in a very fun way, mm-hmm. which I liked. Yeah, it's almost like uh, Deus Ex meets Duke Nukem or something, right? Yeah. yeah. Meets, uh, like, like, I, meets like uh, like Breakdown or uh, Criminal or oh, What's that game? Condemned Criminal Origins. It's like a first-person brawler. Yes, yes. Uh, and like... So the first time I played it through, I played it through very aggressively and loudly and thought that that was kind of the only way you could play through the game and didn't realize till close to the end of the demo, it's about a 20 minute demo, that I could play it stealthily. So you can do crazy shit like in that game. Like you can pick up almost every item in the game and throw it at the enemies or like break it over their head like it's like professional wrestling or something. Like you can pick Mm -hmm. up chairs and trash cans and cue balls and... uh, just ch- all kinds of shit. It's like ridiculous. Like I was just like running around this mansion, throwing chairs at people, and it was like super fun. Is this a VR uh, game? No, no, no. It's a. It's a. Uh, I guess what it purports to be is like an indie, like immersive sim throwback shooter. It's on Steam. Cool. There's a demo. It's called Fallen Aces. It has a style that is 3D world with 2D character art, like. Doom's character art, so they have that like 2D plane. Dude, the guy looks... even has like a heads up where he like looks back and forth like Doom in the face. It's definitely <laughs> yeah. some. Yeah, I like that. But it's I like, like that. it's like 19 what 40s or 30s setting. These takes place in 1940s, like a it's film like noir. noir setting. Film noir. Yep. It's the Chicago. I got a belly full kind of thing. Ben. Chicago. <laughs> Sweet dude, sounds uh, cool. Yeah. It, yeah. So I, the second playthrough, I played through almost entirely stealthily, and I was able to sneak past or subdue almost every through almost every fight in the game except for the very end of the I, I couldn't figure out how to do that stealthily I think there is a way but it, it's I was surprised at the number of ways you could play it like my only real gripe with the game is that the AI was uh, very um, forgiving when, <laughs> when you kind of run around them they're a little stupid like I was like moving very quickly I was playing the Gloomwood demo after that just to kind of compare them and like Gloomwood you move like literally like an inch per second if you're sneaking whereas this I was like darting behind people and smacking them over the head with a oblivion a, a, a sneaking pipe yeah not the but, eyeball though <laughs> uh, it, it's it's pretty fun I really like the graphic style and I, I hope they keep I mean I'm sure they're, it's, it's not going to come out for a while so I, I'm excited to see where that goes but it's New Blood Interactive um, the, which Dave Oshry Studio 
Yes. So actually, he's not producing the. He's only producing the game. He's, he's not working it. on the game directly. Yeah, that's but, what I thought. Uh, yeah, he's yeah. always a producer. I think that's what he's. So he used to work for uh, the team Interceptor Entertainment, who worked, who did uh, the Rise of the Triad remake, mm-hmm. and he worked on that. But I think then he started his own dev team, or they're like adjacent to Apogee, but they're not. They're, no, they're, I think they're their own thing. They're they're yeah, a they publisher, are. and so like he has like he's very selective about the projects he works with and takes a very hands-on approach in helping work with them. Mm-hmm. But like uh, they they put out Dusk, which is obviously a masterpiece, yes. and they're working on Gloomwood. And what was the other game that they came out the recently? Reason I, the, the reason I said they're adjacent to Apogee is because they used to work for Apogee, being that Interceptor developed uh, the Rise of Triad. And then right. they worked on the, the Bombshell, I think it was, which was this like top-down game with the lady from Ion Maiden, or now it's called Ion Fury. Huh. Have you heard of that? That's no. like a build engine? Okay. Sorry. But basically, it's like they're both studios that are... Apogee and them are both studios that are re- releasing like 90s kind of retro games. So they have a history together. But New Blood's awesome. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, they're really cool. Check out the Fallen Aces demo. I, I had a lot of fun with it. Uh, ben, I think you'd like it. Yeah, that sounds cool. Uh, all right. Well, I think that's uh, going to wrap up our games for the week. Guys, it's that time. Time for recommendations. Do you have recommendations this week? I do. What What, what are you bringing for us, Ben? Uh, I have a movie. I've Ooh. been, I, I, I'm a huge fan of horror movies. I think I've said this before. I watched one that was unexpectedly, I, I don't get scared very easily with movies, so I'm always looking for one that'll get me. And this one kind of got me a little bit. It's called Pulse. It's from 2001. It's a Japanese horror film. I guess you would technically call it like a technology horror. Uh, it's I, f- I think the director was Kurosawa. He's he's pretty well known. Um, the Kurosawa? Kurosawa. <laughs> yeah. It couldn't uh, be Akira he, Kurosawa. What? Is no. it recent or is it old? It is son. It's, that it's, it's from 2001. Oh. So so this movie like touches something that I remember as a kid creeped me out, which is the dial-up sound. And the like images on a screen that are supposed to be still but move, mm. and cool. this 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 movie kind of touches that a lot, and it it really got me. Like there was a few scenes in the movie that like made me extremely uncomfortable, and I just it, this movie is an atmospheric horror through and through. Mm. It's not it's not jump scare. It's pure atmosphere. The story <laughs> the story is a it's it's kind of like a two part story almost where like it it ties these stories together. But the way they do it is just so, uh, is the atmosphere is amazing. And there's a particular scene in the movie that encapsulates that atmosphere of just horror. You're watching something happen, and it's happening in such a nearly uncanny way that, but like what you're seeing isn't necessarily scary, but the way it's happening is just like, it's, it's extremely disconcerting and very hmm. effective at what it does. And I, I'm, I'm shocked I haven't heard more talk about this movie before, but it was very good. It was, if you want to see like a slow burn with a lot of really interesting cinematography, as well as just use of like, like, like lack of special effects, but more focus on atmosphere, this, this movie's it. And it's also a nice little timepiece of Japan in the early 2000s too, which is, which was pretty cool. Yeah. I, I, I liked it a lot and I would highly recommend watching it. It was very good. Cool. Yeah, just to to note, it's not uh, Akira Kurosawa; it's uh, Kayoshi Kurosawa, who is another. Kayoshi Kurosawa, yes. Hmm. Um, 
Awesome. That sounds very up my alley, so I'm going to have to check that out. Thanks, Ben. It, it was quite good, yeah. Kevin? Um, so I uh, work from home, and I have a nice, fancy Herman Miller Aeron chair, which I love. But I spent $1,000 on that chair, or more, a lot of money on that chair. But I problem is it with that chair, and I love the chair, by the way, and this is not a negative endorsement on that chair. It's a great chair. Is, is if I'm playing a controller, I want to like lean back. I can't have my feet up. <laughs> and um, I used to, before that chair, I owned a DX Racer chair, which was like kind of like a gaming chair. But it had some problems, so I decided to get rid of it. So anyways, I bought a new chair. I got a Secret Lab Titan, and I really like it. I just got I'm actually sitting in it right this moment, if you look. There it is. Mm. I uh, thought you looked more like a streamer today. Oh, yeah, fancy. Um, so I just like, it's funny because I feel like I'm like the prince and the pea when it comes to chairs for computers. But uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I just want to say like, I like sent this chair up. I just built it yesterday. It was like, the like I should have done an unboxing video. It's like the boxing experience, like their, their packaging engineers are like top tier. Every possible hmm. thing about the chair was, was so well done that I was very impressed building it. It was like, I kept talking to my girlfriend. I think she wasn't that amused. But I was like, look at this. Everything's like perfectly symmetrical and done in the way that's like, I don't know. You know, I've unboxed yeah. a lot of foam. How much plastic things. in the packaging? Uh, Very little, actually. Good, good. Yeah. Um, well. Yeah. So I well. just want to say it's a really high quality chair for a good price if you're looking for a chair for your computer. I know gamer chairs have like can have a bad rap because they can be cheap materials the bucket seats don't always make sense my old dx racer was a bucket seat um and when i sat back in it i couldn't put my arms my shoulders back because it was a bucket seat mm. right now if i sit back in this my shoulders can sit back in a comfortable position so i just want to say it's a really good chair i really like it good stuff <laughs> i endorse cool. it. cool yeah all right yeah and and now you, it, you and look see this pillow right here it's a mag it's magnetic <laughs> it doesn't use oh. velcro Ooh, like star, the other star one. trek keep I it away know. from your hard drives uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's cool. All right. The Secret Lab Titan. Yes, sir. All right. Uh, I am going to do kind of a, a double wreck. One of them is a follow-up. You can't right? do that. I think. Well, no, it's a follow-up. No, I'm kidding. Because I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I, I recommended watching Star Trek The Next Generation, I want to say close to a year ago now. Yeah. Because I had started watching it and I was really enjoying it. Uh, I have just of, as of last night watched not every episode i skipped a few but almost every episode of all seven seasons of star trek the next generation and i have to say shit holds up really well it's uh i still i stand by that wreck having having rewatched every episode i think it's uh it's definitely worth your time especially if you're interested in that sort of philosophical thought experiment type show with a lot of optimism and uh some pretty good acting uh my other endorsement is uh i already kind of talked about this too but alien isolation is, is just an awesome game for, for October. It's a great horror game. Uh, I, I, I can't strongly enough recommend it. Like I just, I really, really love that game. So play Alien Isolation. Yeah, do play it. It's awesome. It is. I agree. And the Switch version rocks, by the way, for Alien Isolation. It's better than the PS4 and Xbox version. It's the weirdest thing in the world. Oh, but shit. It is. They okay. fix the anti-aliasing issues. It looks really nice, and uh, I'll, I'll also say if you it, it's on Game Pass, um, and it, if you play it on Xbox uh, Series consoles, you get the 60 FPS, which is pretty nice. That is nice. Um, yeah, so it's 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 a killer game. Check it out. Uh, Madden, as always, we we love you. We appreciate uh, everything you've done for the show. You are you are our hero. We want you to run for president in 2024, even though you're Australian. And. Uh, <laughs> 
that, that's all I've got for you. Ben, thanks for stopping by. Thank you guys for having me. It was a lot of fun. Of course. Uh, and Oren, uh, we, we missed you, buddy. We'll, uh, we'll be hearing from you soon. And we'll be back in uh, a few weeks. 